right, so I'm Dan. I'm not Dan. I'm Deke. And this is Corinthian Cowboys. And what we just heard right there is our intro, which will be a different car every episode. And next episode, we will tell you what that car is. So, yeah, maybe you'll guess. (laughs) So, um... Essentially, this is going to be uh, episode one of this podcast, and what this is about, I suppose, is not old guys talking about old guy things, and what I mean by old guy things is classic cars. Me and Deke here have been very fond of classics for as long as I've known Deke, and um, I imagine it's going to stay that way. Uh, We both have quite a bit of history of owning classics and doing ridiculous shit with classics. (laughs) Um, Say that again. Yeah, no, I I know I personally feel like every every minute in a classic car is more than whatever you can get with an hour of anything newer. There's just nothing like them. I agree for sure. As, As somebody who daily drives a modern car at the moment, unfortunately... I can definitely say that my time in classic cars, I definitely appreciate a lot more than I appreciate in a, in a modern car. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. I drive a, a classic daily, thankfully, but I do have to drive uh, modern vehicles here to, here and there for my work. It's, it's always an unfortunate reminder of how miserable that experience can be, or how boring that experience can be, I should yeah. say. Um, so like when, when you're in a classic car, there's something about the experience you feel like you're more connected to the road like to your machine because you're in control of everything that that car does yeah you feel every little motion that's going on and a lot of people will actually take that as a negative i think i think it's a positive because it's it's more engaging you know it's each classic has way more of a unique feel compared to you know a new civic compared to a new or Fusion, or Corolla, or whatever, you know. Um, they just, they feel so samey. Whereas, every classic I've ever driven doesn't feel like another car. They they all feel very unique. Definitely. Little, little bit of introduction. Um, I'm 26, uh, originally from New York, now ended up in Oregon. I've been interested in classics... Gosh, for most of my life, it probably started when my stepfather would start to bring me to car shows when I was maybe 10, 10 to 11 years old. Um, and even back then, I wasn't interested in the the big the big boys, you know, I was attracted to the Volkswagen thing, the Superbirds. The, the the convertible third gen Camaros like I didn't I didn't uh, back then I did not care for you know the the Mustangs the the first gen Camaros you know the the big names in the big years it just I don't know they're cool but they just never really appealed to me as more as the oddball stuff I suppose you could say but yeah I would say that was a big influence on me liking classic cars he he brought me to uh, shows when I was younger. It sounds ridiculous, but Deke, I think you can agree. A real big introduction was playing fantastic games such as Vice City. Oh, totally, dude. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, it's just... that, That has helped me with achieving my aesthetic as far as style and music and cars. Like, to be introduced to that at such a young age. Been in, I've been into classic cars for as long as I can remember, and I, I don't see it changing anytime soon. I don't care how inconvenient it may get at times. There's there's no changing it. Yeah, what, what, what about you, Deke? Give us a little right. insight. So, I'm 22. I was born in Ohio, lived there for most of my life. Now I am based out of Colorado. I got into cars when I was, like, I had to be probably about five years old. When my dad and my grandpa, when I would sit around and catch the old reruns of the Dukes of Hazard on TV, 
there was some old like country music channel that would play them on the weekends. And we would sit around and watch those all day with Waylon Jennings being the balladeer in the beginning. I love him to this day. So, and my dad would always tell me stories when I was a kid. He had a 68 Dodge Charger that was blue that he paid $100 for the bare shell for <laughs> and dragged it out of the junkyard with my grandpa. About gave my grandma a heart attack when he drove it in the, or drug it into the driveway on a tow truck. He spent the better part of probably about three or four years rebuilding that thing from the ground up, putting suspension and everything in it, doing the wiring, the motor. They built a chromed out 440 for it. Had the 727 automatic with a shift kit in it. Had the big Dana 60 rear end in the back, fat tires. He had the rake with the ass jacked up and the nose down. And it was uh, metallic blue. It was the old Martin Senior paint. And it had white vinyl interior. And he would tell me all the time that he would take it out. There was uh, where I grew up out in the sticks of Ohio. There was uh, an air- airport on the outskirts of town. And my dad would fill up the charger about uh, three quarters of the way full with regular gas and drive out to the airport and fill it the rest of the way with airplane fuel and take it out street racing and pop wheelies on the street with it. And to the, like, as a kid, that always stuck and seeing pictures of it on the wall. And it's there's nothing like a classic car to me. Like, as Dan was saying earlier, I don't think I will ever stop appreciating them and I will always prefer a classic to a modern vehicle every day of the week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's, um, I, ne- I never knew he pulled it out for a hundred bucks. That's crazy. Oh yeah. He got a hundred bucks for his birthday and they went right to the fucking junkyard and picked it out. Yeah, no, the, the first classic I grew up around, uh, was my stepfather's 88 Camaro. I'm sorry. Jesus. I'm looking at a picture of a Camaro is 88 Corvette. Did I ever tell you about that one? I think he did. Wasn't it? white yeah it was it was white it was cocaine white with uh <laughs> with black interior and i don't know that was just the coolest thing in the world and of course he got rid of it for a 99 vet which oh, ew. that's a tragedy yeah at least the, the 99 they sold the pop-ups i think Great. yeah the first classic i grew up with was uh my dad's trail duster that he had oh that's right yeah I think it was a 74 Plymouth Trail Duster. It was hemi orange, and it had the convertible top on it. And it was lifted up to the sky, had these big old mud bogger tires on it. It was fucking awesome. After that 88 vet, things were pretty quiet as far as me growing up around classics until I got my first car. I guess brings us into our our next segment. segment. I want to talk about our history of what we've owned and everything we've had. As far as classic cars go, well, all cars, I should say. I've had a total, including the three I have now, I've had ten. My first one being uh, an 89 Camaro RS with the uh, six-cylinder in it. And I bought that, I think it was 1200 bucks. was sitting in someone's yard for a good year. Started right up, didn't need anything. And it was fun. I do miss it because it was my first car. But I I had to get rid of it because it was too new. I remember that was that was the biggest reason I got rid of it. It was too new for me. So I found the legendary 76 Pontiac Ventura that had a uh, LT1 in it. Me and Deke have a little bit of history with that car, which we'll get into. But um, yeah, that was my second car. It was a nice... Gosh, what it started off as like a really dark blue, mm-hmm. um, and then we, I plasti dipped it over the chrome. Plasti dipped uh, over the chrome. The pro- well, you're supposed to, and then you peel it off. But you know, we didn't apply enough plasti dip, so it didn't peel off easy. But yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> it two seconds to mask it off. I know, I know. I do miss it though. I miss that car more than any other car I've owned. I got rid of that. Well, I bought a 88 Ford Econoline that was a former police surveillance van. And this is when I was still living in New York. And I was moving to Nevada. And I could only take one of them with me. And, well, the van's going to carry more stuff than the Pontiac. So I sold my Pontiac to Deke 
And once I was in Nevada, I purchased my neighbor's 89 Volvo 740 with around 300,000 miles on it. And I figured that would be a better daily than the van. And it was. And that Volvo was phenomenal. During the time I had both those, I picked up a 1980 Pontiac Phoenix. And man, that was a dog. That thing, (laughs) that was probably, out of everything I own, that might have been the weirdest car. The interior was so bizarre. I just, oh, that car was so much fun. It was my first, first carbureted car. I missed that. That was, I regret getting rid of that. I got rid of that. Because I was buying a house, needed every bit of cash I could get, and I didn't need three vehicles, and I wasn't getting rid of the van. So I sold the Pontiac Phoenix. Later that year, I got into a car accident with the Volvo, a five-car pileup. Someone shoved me underneath Dodge Ram, and I panic bought something. And you should never panic buy anything. <laughs> when I panic bought was a 1985 Mercury Marquee for 300 bucks, And that thing was the worst car I've ever owned. I I test drove it, but I didn't do much. I just bought it on the spot because it was like five minutes away from my house. And... And somebody told you not to buy it. I wonder who that could have been. Yeah, you and plenty of other people did. So, yeah, I get it. Um... I, I couldn't. It was stalling on me. It was. It had so many, so many little issues that I've forgotten about at this point. But I had to get rid of it, and I had to get rid of it fast. So two weeks after owning it, uh, someone listed a 1960 Corvair four door on Craigslist, and they weren't asking much. I think it was just over two grand. So I contacted them and I asked them if they would be interested in a trade which they surprisingly were. <laughs> so I ended up trading my 85 Mercury Marquis for a 60 Corvair. And man, that thing was a blast. Never have I ever driven anything slower. <laughs> it was... <laughs> they, You know, the famous uh, saying that's unsafe at any speed. Any speed. No, it's unsafe. It's unsafe because it can't get up to speed. Like that was that was the frightening thing about it. But yeah, I, I ended up getting rid of that because uh, I currently wasn't working, and well, I was working just not as much as I'd like to. I needed cash. Boiled back down to me just having my uh, eighty-eight Ford Econoline. And soon after I started a new job, I purchased my next car, which was. A 85 Oldsmobile Calais to use as a daily driver, which I still use as a daily driver. I love that car. Soon after that, I found a 76 Ford Econoline for sale for 500 bucks, and I'd be a fool to say no to it. So I snatched that up, and soon after I snatched that up, I uh, went ahead... And sold my 88 because it needed some work and I uh, I needed money. <laughs> I wasn't working at the time. And then I moved here to Oregon, which is where I purchased my latest edition a couple months, well, couple months, six months ago. No, seven months ago at this point. Um, I got a 1955 Packard Patrician, which has been a blast to take out every weekend. And now in the winter, every nice nice day I can. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. It is... It's it's unlike... It's not like driving anything I've ever driven before. But yeah, that's that's my history. I currently have the Packard, the Oldsmobile, and the 76 van at the moment. Um, I plan on getting rid of the van soon. And the Oldsmobile soon as well, as soon as the titles come in. It's a long story, and the DMV has been a nightmare because of COVID. So, yeah, that's that's my car history. What about you, Deke? All right, so technically the first vehicle I owned, I shared co-ownership of with my dad. It was a 2001 Dodge Ram with a 360 V8, and it was one of the 
biggest pieces of shit I've ever driven, but I, it was amazing and it was a fucking absolute hoot to drive. Uh, before we sold it, it had gotten to the point that I think the head gaskets were going up because it blew blew smoke everywhere like a diesel. <laughs> uh, it had such extensive rust that my dad bolted diamond plate to the doors to make it look like it had a body still. Uh, the transmission was really funky and tried to go 55. It would switch back and forth between the second and third gears, like, ridiculously, like, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and it would just judder you on the highway. Horrible. Now, that, um, that, that was an automatic? Yes. I don't know why I thought that was stick shift for some reason. I wish it was. It wouldn't <laughs> have been such a problem. Let's see. And then after we sold that, I saved up and bought my first car that I completely bought with my own money. And that was a 77 Dodge B200 Maxi with a 360 V8. That thing had no title. Uh, the gas tank was ripped out of it. So if you know old vans, you'll know there's a doghouse which covers up the engine because the engine sits halfway in the cabin. And so the doghouse was ripped off and sitting in the back. And there was just a, a nice little hose running up to like a half gallon little gas tank sitting on the passenger uh, foot footwell. And we'd have to get out and fill it up every half a mile or so well not not quite that bad but it was pretty ridiculous driving at home never actually got a title for it and i sold it for parts unfortunately but it did help to go uh, save another van in ohio so i guess it served its purpose and went on to help something else get back on the road which i'm at least happy for after i sold that i purchased a 1979 cadillac coupe deville with the 425 v8 in triple teal had, I think, 113,000 miles on it, and that thing made me feel like a mob boss every day I fucking sat in it. It was one of my favorites that I've owned so far just because of the color and the two-door, and it had the full leather interior. It had a... The factory radio was had a switch on it that you could switch to a CB, and it would ch change the function of the actual radio to a CB radio. And it had a Cadillac-branded CB radio mic hanging underneath the uh, the dash there. That was one of my favorite parts about that car. So unfortunately, I didn't realize when I bought it that the frame was screwed up. Because the guy parked it in tall grass and being like my second car, I really didn't know too much about him. And my dad didn't really think to look under there either. So uh, the transmission blew out and I had all forward gears, no reverse. So I decided to get rid of it. Like Dan's uh, experience he had with panic buying, which I'll, again, reiterate, you should never do. I bought a 2001 Hyundai Accent, a five-speed with some shitty little four-cylinder. had absolutely zero brake pads on it when I bought it. And I drove it home about 25 miles or so, using only the <laughs> trying to downshift to uh, engine brake. And fifth gear didn't always want to work, so you'd have to slam it over really hard and pull it to get it to go in, and it was just a nightmare. And when Dan offered me the Ventura, I <laughs> took every chance that I could to get out of that Hyundai and sold it, and then used the money to go towards the shipping, which we went half in on for the Ventura to get it to me. Which brings me to number five, which was the 76 Ventura with 350. I think that has to be definitely my favorite car that I've ever owned. The, the time that I had in that car, going out street racing in it, just raising hell with it, racking up the speedometer, it was absolutely a blast to drive. And I wish I could drive another car like that or get that car back one day. That'd be a dream. While I owned the Ventura, I figured I needed to get something that was more fuel efficient. Uh, my cousin sold me. A 95 Mercury Cougar with the 3.8 V6 for I think three or four hundred bucks. It leaked fuel like a motherfucker. It was just all around really kind of shitty. He had a, a Coke can explode on the inside one summer, <laughs> so there was just like like pop residue all over the window and shit, like sticky. It was horrible. It took me forever to clean it, but I eventually got it. That thing took a shit on me and threw an uh. The tensioner pulley, when I was on a road trip, left me stranded out in the middle of nowhere, so I got rid of that thing in a jiffy, and which brought me to my 73 Cadillac Eldorado with the 500 V8. She was white with the black houndstooth interior, uh, absolutely like immaculate on the inside. When I originally went to look at the car, I had no idea that it was front-wheel drive. I didn't even know that Cadillac made a front-wheel drive car when I went to look at it. 
And I, I went in and I opened the door and I sat down and I looked down. And I'm like, where is the transmission hump? What is going on here? And the guy was like, oh, it's a front wheel drive. And it like absolutely dropped my jaw. And I like knew that I had to have this thing. So I took it and drove it around the corner. It The carburetor was adjusted really badly and it died like three times. But we came back and I offered the guy a thousand bucks for it, which he accepted. And I came back the next it was like, I think it was a Saturday we went and looked at it. So I came back on the next Monday and brought in the money and paid for it right there and drove it home. And it died a few more times on the way, but it was not bad. It was, it was one of my favorites that I've owned because of the sheer size of that thing. Like three city blocks long and about two wide. It was one of the best feeling cars I've ever driven. You did not feel any bump in the road whatsoever. It was smooth. You could drive it with one pinky on the steering wheel. And that's like one of my reasons. I think Cadillac is one of my favorite vehicle manufacturers that I've owned a vehicle from. After the Eldorado, unfortunately, comes the car that I'm driving right now, which is a 2016 Dodge Dart. It's a 2.4 four-cylinder. Let my dad talk me into buying that uh, a few years ago, and it was probably the biggest decision that I regret in my life. I mean, it's 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 okay. It's reliable most of the time. I've never I haven't had a problem out of it yet. It's Definitely not my favorite thing that I've owned. It would be on the bottom of the list, most likely. So after that comes the 73 Ford Econoline E300 Supervan with the 302 V8. Uh, my mom owned this van for as long as I can remember. I've, they bought it when I was probably about four years old. And it, I remember them driving around, rolling around in the back of it all the time. I had taken it out in my teenage years, driving it around with my buddies and stuff. The time came, I think, two years ago now. Uh, if it was just sitting there and I offered my mom, like, hey, you're not doing anything with that. Let me buy it off you. To which she was like, okay, give me like 800 bucks. I was like, okay. So I went and yanked the money out of the bank real quick and slapped it in her hand. Uh, it was really fun. It was an ex-rescue ex squad. And by the time that I came around to owning it, it had about 301,000 miles on it. Original motor and transmission had never been taken out, never been rebuilt, nothing at all done to the motor completely stock just rolling the same way it rolled off of the factory and it was absolute pig <laughs> it would not go anywhere quick but it was uh straight piped right out the sides and it sounded mean that thing was loud as hell every morning when i started it up driving down the road if you smash the gas it would just open up and scream it sounded awesome and then after i sold that i used the money from the van to buy a 77 Cadillac Sedan DeVille with the 425 V8. That was probably my favorite caddy I've owned. Definitely. It was uh, dark green with a lighter green inside and a white faux vinyl top. It wasn't vinyl. It was just like painted on hard top. It was really nice. The, I'm not sure where it is now. Sway bar links. That's what it was. So the sway bar links were out on it. As in, they were just non-existent. They had rusted away and cracked in half and broken and fallen out long ago. So anytime you'd take a corner, the entire car would just go up. And it was amazing. Just because like every little turn you made, the whole car felt like it was going to flip over. But I still had like the time of my life driving that thing, just raising hell out in the country, drifting around corners and stuff, one-leg burnouts. It was awesome. Unfortunately, I had to sell that this year due to the COVID going on. I didn't have enough money to fix it when it unfortunately had a fiasco with the shipping company. And it got ruined, and I couldn't afford to get it fixed. So currently I only have the Dart, but my prospective purchase, I'm just waiting on the guy to get around to selling it to me, is a 89 Firebird Formula with a 350 V8. It's triple black all around, has the, the uh, WS6 wheels, the Knight Rider scanner in the hood. Really excited to get it my hands on it one day. That's about it for me. <clears throat> well, shit. Um, I had no idea that that was just painted on that fake vinyl top. Oh yeah, dude. It That's... was like like when I would take it to the car wash, it was it was like flaking off sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be really careful about washing the roof because it would just like you know it was like dirty, right? Like grime and shit from sitting outside. So I was like, oh, I'm just gonna take it to the car wash and just fucking you know power wash the shit out of it. I'm sitting there, and I had like my leather jacket on as I'm doing it, so I could get in close. And I'm holding the power washer like right up to the hood, or not the hood, the roof. 
and I'm just like seeing these flakes come off. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and I look on my jacket, and there's just flakes of my roof, and I'm like, oh no! Oh my god! <laughs> so I decided to not do that anymore. <laughs> That's fucking great. Oh man, yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, I mean, if you find pictures of it and you look at it, you can see like the roof is just like really flat because it's just like metal. Hmm. That's that's funny. Yeah, no, I, I I never knew that bit about it. But uh, just so uh, you know, uh, we are going to have pictures of all these cars uh, attached to a, a link with wherever this podcast is posted, and uh, include. We're also going to have pictures of the Craigslist ads that we will be talking about later on. Uh, but let's. Let's roll into our next section of what our favorite car is and why. And I'm pretty sure we both know each other's answers to this, but let's let's get started. Deke, what, what is your favorite car and why? All right, so my favorite car of all time, you heard me talk about one earlier. It's the 1968 Dodge Charger. And, I mean, the reason I love it is just, like I was saying before, like my dad told me so many stories of this thing when I was growing up. And I envisioned it as always like the most, the pinnacle, the most badass, absolute muscle car. When I think of muscle cars, the 68 Charger, because of just the styling, like the Coke body style, um, the circular taillights on the back are the important part, and the just the wide open maw of a grill on the front. Not quite anything like it. When you see one of those cars in person, you can really appreciate the care and like the love that they put into making those cars it's just something else no they they're they really are and one thing i find interesting about them is to this day i've never seen one for sale that was in original condition but drivable like you know someone where it's just like oh yeah you know it's it's a it's in a driver condition you know car she had stashed away exactly i i mean maybe that you know they came up like that 15 20 years ago but i've just i know i've never seen one i I think by now they've all been fucking bought up and they're in the hands of people who will never let them go for a low price or anything it's one of the shitty things about being in the hobby now as young guys like we are is that the, the dudes that have the old money you know that they've been working for years and years they can afford all these old cars and they're they've doing all this like I don't I have I gotta wear this <laughs> call me crazy but I have like you know most guys would see like the pro touring cars and you know really like them with the lowered suspension and the bigger you know like the twenty inch rims and the big Brembo brakes and the LS is under the hood I'm not really a fan of that stuff and. Like, I, when I see guys that take a hold of these old classic cars, especially the ones that are in perfect, like, survivor condition or that were once original and are to the point – or they are mostly original to the point that they can be saved to, like, restored to look exactly as they rolled off of the showroom line. That's the kind of shit that I like. But the dudes that take a car like that that's, you know, in pretty good shape that most guys would love to have just to preserve it as it is – they would take him and, you know, they would rip it out and put, like, a modern Hemi oh. in or Charger or something like that. Or just the resto mod interiors where they redo the whole line of the car and they put, like, modern gauges and everything. I think it's absolutely criminal when they do that shit. I think a car should, in most cases, should always be as period correct as possible. Yes, for sure. Most cases. Of course, there are exceptions, but I, I don't know. My biggest, what grinds my gears about um, modifying cars is when people ruin interiors. I think a modern interior in a classic car is one of the most criminal things for for me, as far as modifying a classic car goes. Um, I agree. That's something that really, really brings my piss to a boil. Yeah, because the thing is, you know, you can... You could throw in a modern drivetrain into a car, right? And you could still visually get the classic experience. Yeah. And even if you wanted to swap in a newer engine, you could always swap back in an older engine 
To me, that's so much easier than ripping apart the interior, a modern interior, and putting back in a classic interior. Yeah. Like, so, there was, um... So, uh... I really... I've recently had... Well, I guess a couple months ago. I recently just decided to stop, like, following every form of, like, Hot Rod magazine. Because, like... You know, I followed them on Facebook and Instagram. You know, the things that I'd use. Sometimes I'd like to see, you know, some some of their stuff thrown into the mix. Because sometimes they post like, I really like the roadkill stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Just like sometimes they'd post stuff about like you know really nice old, nice nicely preserved classics and stuff like that. But here recently they had really gotten into posting. Every, everything was about like LS swapping cars oh. or modernizing old cars and like. Just every car that I saw them post, I didn't enjoy a single one of them. It sounds like it sounds like it's time to stop following them at that point. Yeah, that's, I mean that's what I was saying. I like I just one and I was like, man, I'm like unliking them. I guess as I guess as petty as that sounds, <laughs> I just got sick and tired of seeing this stuff. You know, it's like every car show you go to, you pop the hood. Oh, what's in there? Oh, an LS. Psh, walk away. I just they, they don't get me excited, you know. I, I respect that they're good motors, and I you know I'd love to drive an, an LS car one day, maybe. Right. But I, I don't think I'd own because for me that I, I really like having the motor that a car would have came with. Not always, you know. Sometimes if you get like a smaller V8, I like to upgrade, you know, to a bigger one. That I, that's all fine and dandy with me, as long as you keep it within that manufacturer and like that. You know the range of motors that would have been available at that time. And see, to it. surprisingly, that I don't know why that doesn't bother me that much. Like, like uh, cross contamination doesn't. Yeah, does doesn't it doesn't bother me that much? But I um the thing is with LS swaps, be fucking different. I don't know. Be interesting. Be unique. Like, yeah. you're not drawing any attention if you're throwing an LS in anything. You're, right. you're not. It's just it's I mean, been you know, do- it's been done time and time LS again. Guys. Well, yeah. There's there's the LS guys you know that are really fond of them and stuff, and I I get that. You I mean I respect the I, I respect the the engine. It's it's good. It's a great platform, but yeah. you know, it's just like not for me. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just it's been done. How many times are we going to keep doing it? Yeah, like that's like I know that's something that you and I share. Is that like we both have like a sense of originality and identity. Yeah. I like, honestly, if <laughs> like if I was to go to a car show and I saw first gen Mustang swapped with an LS and that first gen Mustang swapped with like, <laughs> I don't know the, the red block Volvo engines of the eighties. <laughs> like I'm going to that Mustang. I'm, I'm checking that one out. Like that's, that's weird. That's different. That's original. In, you know, in sense and being unique. Like that's I don't know. That's that's way more interesting than an LS swap to me at this point. Cross contamination is not like that big of a thing, but it's just like I'll see dudes that will like purposefully take like an old charger or something like that and they'll put a three fifty in it just to piss guys off. Or like you know, let's say you like go to a, a, a car show right. and you see some old piece of like twenties, thirties iron there's nine times out of ten going to be a 350 under the hood. Yep, yep. And, like, you know, like the Ford trucks and stuff, I'd like to really see original, like, Ford flathead V8s under the hood of things like that. That's the kind of stuff that really gets me excited. Like, let's see a 30s, you know, let's see some 30s iron with, like, an iron duke in it. Like, that would be, that'd be fun. That's, to me, that's fun. That, that's exciting. Like, rat rotted out and shit. Yeah, fuck. I don't know, just something different. When I go to car shows, I I'm only paying attention to ten percent of the shit that's there. Yeah, like come on, let's see a fucking um, an American Dart with a uh, like a Australian six cylinder Hemi in it. That'd be neat. I I, I, I love one. Of I'll those. never I'll never forget. I went to this one car show. There was probably at least forty cars there, and classics, all classics, of course. And the one that got my attention the most, a mint condition. Chevy Celebrity Wagon. Oh my. Yeah. Oh man, that was that that had my attention more than anything else there. Uh because I remember at the time that was my first this was years ago. It was the first time I ever saw a celebrity wagon. Man. But back 
back to the to the topic of favorite cars and why. I think you know the answer to this one. Um, and my favorite car is the first generation Hyundai Elantras. They are just the most gorgeous things on the road. I didn't know it was fucking April Fool's Day today. <laughs> no, uh, 59 Cadillac, any model, don't give a shit. Fucking 59 Cadillac all the way. Oh, mm, god damn, are they busty. To me, and so there's so many fun little things about the 59, and one of them is how much they range in price. You can, it's insane. You could get a project for five grand, and you could get one that's that has rare options for 300 grand. Personally, I can't think of a car that has that big of a range in price, and you could get drivers for under 20,000. And that's that's probably when the day comes that I get one. It's probably going to be just a driver conditioned one under twenty grand because that's fine with me. But yeah, they they have a crazy range in price, and it was the big hurrah for me. You know, fifty nine was the year that GM went all out with the fins. After that, every car manufacturer just got worse. I mean, you know, uh, Chrysler still looked good in sixty. But by 61, they were getting smaller across the board. Um, and for pretty much everybody else, by 60, things were getting downsized significantly as far as fins go. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's always held a special place in my heart. It's incredibly iconic. Um, you don't see them often, which oh, is no. surprising. Yeah, you know, as, as much as you see that car, like, you know, when you think of like the '50s, you think of that car. You think yeah. of a, a pink '59. Yeah. And, like as much as you see it, like plastered all over any '50s restaurant or '50s mm-hmm. movie, whatever. You never see them. It. Yeah. You, you never see them at shows. You never see them running about. Uh, to this day, I've only ever seen one in person, and I think I've seen two. Yeah, I've seen one, and it was at a far, like at a distance. I I couldn't get up close to it. Um, I I saw one going by on a trailer one time, and I got the privilege to actually see one up close this year. Oh, that's I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, and yeah, no, it's crazy. Like I I know of two restaurants local to me where their like logo, I guess you could call it, is a '59 Cadillac, yeah. and it's plastered everywhere when it comes to like oh you know something that's supposed to be like retro '50s advertising. And stuff like that, but you never see them. They're n- they're never running around. But yeah, I would love to get one. I don't care what color. I don't care what model. Don't care how many doors. Does doesn't matter to me. Those fins are where it's at. And something that I've recently discovered is oh, what was it? Nineteen fifty eight. I think it was nineteen fifty eight. The law changed, and cars had to have four headlights. I never realized how much I don't like four, like the quad headlights. On a lot of those oh, cars. Man. I think, absolutely love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think the cars are ugly, but I do think the cars were significantly better looking with just two main headlights. Um, See, like, I'm really a fan of the uh, like the old uh, Pontiac Catalinas with the fucking quad headlights, the stacked up ones, and then later on you had the doubles. Well, well um, hold on. What, what year Pontiac Catalina are you talking about? See, I believe it's 65 I'm talking about. Oh, well. See, but for me, by the time the mid-60s came around, the shape of the cars fit the quad headlights. But I feel like in 58, 59, and 60, the cars would look better with uh, with two. And I think one of the only cars that really shapes itself, like the front end shapes itself appropriately to four headlights, is the 59 Cadillac. Uh, well, one of the ones that comes off the top of my head. I don't know. To me, I just, I like, I like the two headlight look way more, but I would never say no to something with four, obviously. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it, to me, fit, fins, fins are where it's at. You know, 59 Cadillacs have, I, I almost don't want to say they're the biggest. I mean, they're the most, they stand out the most. I want to say the biggest are, you know, those, like 59, 60, 61 Chryslers where they go 
all across, you know, the body lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, have a, they'll reach the fucking front doors, technically. Yeah, I think uh, that's the, those are those, get the winners. Yeah, as far as biggest, absolutely. But I don't know. The Cadillacs, they, they're definitely the most... I can't even say they're the most unique looking. I mean, they're... The most unique looking might be, uh... Shoot. I feel like Oldsmobile had some, some really weird ones in certain years. But anyway, I don't know. 59 Cadillac, it always had a place in my heart. To me, it's just, it's a piece of piece of art, like a lot of cars from that era. And uh, it, it, it has to be my favorite classic car. And to switch gears here <laughs> about favorites, I want to know what you hate. What classic car do you not like? Okay, so I'm sure I'm going to receive more flack than a B-17 in World War II would get what i'm about to say Uh oh. but i really just i've not i can't get around the old mustangs like <sighs> i'm so sick and tired <laughs> of seeing mustangs everywhere you go there's just tons of them and tons of them like you know i know it was one of the best-selling cars i know their parts are everywhere they're cheap they're whatever it's just everywhere everything is just like you see a Mustang everywhere you look at a car show from any era. And I'm just like, I'm not a fan of the styling, I guess. The only ones I really like is the first generation. I guess you call them the girls' Mustangs. I really like the way those ones look. But everything except for maybe the bullet Mustang just doesn't do it for me. Now, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to fucking give you some flack. Because... I'm not, you know, I'm not a big Mustang guy by any stretch. But you don't like the late first gens? Like the 72s, the 73s? Like the the original Gone in 60 Seconds one? <sighs> I, Hold on, let me see. 72 Mustang. Look, look, up, look up like a 72 yeah, or a 73. No, I, the really long body ones? I, can, I don't like those things, man. Really? Oh. I, th- I think they're one of the ugliest... What? generations of that thing what i just i don't like them all right what about the mustang twos <laughs> that's even worse what do you what do you mean it's even I, worse i love as, the mustang as twos. cool as they are yeah yeah i will say they're cool yeah. i just i would never be caught dead in one of those oh, things unless it was man. one of those little king cobra ones that's I, the only way so i will say this as far as first gen mustangs go i definitely like what the non fastback ones notchbacks yeah the notchbacks i like the non fastback ones the notchbacks way more than the fastbacks and i know people will pay stupid money for the fastbacks yeah. I, yeah i don't know the fastbacks they, they don't do it for me but i would i would not mind a little first gen 6 cylinder that would be fun there's one of those that's over here by me and it's it's like light sky blue mm. and i just see it sit all the time i never see it move it's funny i have a sky blue one near me as well he, he actually puts around in it though every day yeah i don't know i like the first gens definitely like the second gens i like the third gens as long as it's you know the seal beam headlights fourth generation does anybody like those <laughs> you, you don't like the eileen oh Ugh. Fifth gen was okay because that was a, fifth gen is the one uh oh five to twenty fourteen like I don't know they're not bad that you know they bring back supposedly the classic styling see my buddy actually has one of those mm-hmm. and they do like the speedometer is really old school and I really do like how that looks right it's a really neat design on that the the current gen I think is kind of gross. Yeah, uh, I do think the, the the previous gen looks better, and I don't even want to get started on the fact that you now have the SUV Mustangs. Have you seen those? No, I don't think I have. Yeah, there's the Ford's now bringing out electric SUV Mustangs. What the fuck? Just shut oh, the. Oh, those Mustang E's. Yeah, yeah, fucking oh, disgusting. Yuck. Just call them anything else. Just call them anything else. It's insane. But, alright, I don't think you're going to like the car I don't like. Well, you're not going to like the fact that I don't like it, I should say. <sighs> I have, like, uh, I don't like, and I really, to, to me, it's the epitome of 
boring styling, but like the 69, 70 Dodge darts. What do you mean? I know. I just, they're so, they're so boring. They're so boring. That's the best part about them. No. They're they're boring. They're like every day. You don't expect them when they stuff a big ass 440 in those things. You do expect it. There's no such thing as an old sleeper. Any old car, you know, your average person's going to assume it's quick. There's plenty of things that have the the, the slant six in them. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. But but, but to, to go on the topic of sleepers, like, in my opinion, a sleeper is something that's supposed to trick your average person into thinking it's slow, right? Yeah. Well, your average person is going to see an old car and assume it's fast. Like, there's to me, there's no such thing as a classic sleeper. There isn't. Yeah, but, okay, so hear me out here. What? You, you get some fucking college kids, you know, they've got their fucking dad's Corvette, whatever. Right. They see you pull up in this 70 dart right. that's fucking triple brown, rusted to fuck, got these old, dirty, old hubcaps on it. Right. I don't think they're going to think twice they're gonna, about that thing. They're going to think it's they quick. They're going to think it's quick. I guarantee you they're gonna think it's quick because it's old. I don't know, man. But I, I've had I had kids in high school that thought the Ventura was slow, and I kicked their ass. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just sleepers aside, the darts are fucking boring. They're ugly. It's so uh, it does man. it does nothing to my classic car erection. Even nothing. those super stock darts. Nothing. Eh. The the primer gray ones with the black fucking front part of them. Eh. 426 heavy. Them things were nasty as hell. It just does. It doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything for me. Like, ah, uh, it's so fucking boring. I don't know. They get kind of exciting in like '76. They got that cool little front end, but yeah, the '75. They have the Hang Ten. Is that what I'm thinking of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. I mean, that's cool. But I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of cool shit. There was like the Spirit of '76 ones. Those were cool. Yeah, I don't. They just they don't do it. They don't do it to me. They really don't. I mean, would I own one? I wouldn't say no for for the right price. But I'd be hard pressed to to go out of my way. I'd love one. There was the meanest old fucking like it was like a copper brown outside of my old hometown, and it was just mean. Like. Uh, I don't know. To me, to just go from like the most outlandish looking car on the road to the most boring. Literally, that's what they fucking did. Third gens, they definitely have a unique look. And the second gen darts, the 62. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. The pioneers. Yeah. The fucking. What the fuck were they thinking with that front end? It looks alien like. I love it. I know. It's cool as shit. I love it too. But. To go from that to the most boring-looking car on the road for its time, eh, I don't know. It's just, it don't do it for me. Really don't. Uh, but for things that do do it for me, <laughs> I want to know what what constitutes your dream daily. What What is your dream daily? All right, so I had to really think long and hard about this. Right. Because I didn't know what the fuck I was going to pick. Mm-hmm. Um. I eventually settled on a car that I've had a long time fucking love for. Absolutely love them. It would be a 50, 57 Dodge Coronet in, like, triple black. Really? That would oh. be your dream daily? Yeah, I, th- I think that would honestly be the car that I would love to get in every day and drive for the rest of my life. Huh. <clears throat> Just because of the, the styling on that thing, that front end, how it looks so pissed off. The fins on it are fucking amazing. Oh, I love it. They are definitely nutworthy. Uh, it's just a car that I've, I've really like. You know, everybody likes the the Christine Fury. I won't deny I fucking love those too. I'd love to have one. I just I think the Coronet is like the best out of the '57 Chrysler lineup. So here's here's my problem with that, right? All right. I've I drive a car that big. <laughs> you know, the Packard I imagine is around the same length as that Coronet. I don't want. I don't drive the Pack. I would not want to drive my Packard every day because of its length. You know, going to the grocery store, that's one thing. But there are times where I'm going places and it's like, fuck, thank God I'm 
thank God I'm in this. You know, thank God I'm in my Oldsmobile. Finding parking or maneuvering like this weird area I'm in, I couldn't imagine in a long car like that. So I... It's, it's something I'm quite used to, though, with driving the Eldorado. That thing was long. The super van was massive. Right. It's just... I don't know. Like, I guess that really doesn't phase me. Yeah, I... I think of that, and I think of fuel economy. Because, like, that thing's got to get single digits. That's got to get, like, eight or nine on a good day, right? It's, it's all about the smiles per gallon. Oh, I, I know. I know. I Trust me. I fucking know. And the thing with smiles per gallon is that you can still have smiles per gallon and a good fuel economy. I believe you can. And so... I've put a lot of thought and consideration into what my dream daily would be. And uh, you may have to look it up because you may not know what this is exactly. But I think my dream daily would be a Shea Model A. Do you know about those? That sounds like... So there was a company called Shea and they came out, what was it, 1979, and, oh, they did the reproductions, right? Yeah, yeah, they did the repros of oh. the of the Model A's, and Man. it uses a Pinto engine and transmission, custom frame, wow. but Pinto everything else. And yeah, I think one of those would be really neat because you have great fuel economy, you have great looks. The bodies are fiberglass, so no rust, which is a big plus. And parts are easy to come by. Um, you know, the, the Pinto platform is, from from my understanding, you know, you can still easily get parts for it. Oh, yeah. You, you can go to fucking your, your local AutoZone and order parts for it. You can't do that if you had an actual, you know, Model A. <laughs> you have to go yeah. through your connections. I need a starter for my Model A. Yeah, they tell you to fuck off. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. To me, that is a dream daily. Good fuel economy. Good smiles per gallon. Parts availability is there. Ease of working on it. You know, you you could easily work on it. Um, or even better yet, if something was to happen to it. You could bring it to a local shop, and they could work on it because it's just a basic six. Um, you know, now you really got me thinking. I might rescind my. Uh, yeah, I think I've got another vehicle in mind that I would. Well, you know, I think I've definitely got another vehicle that I would pick. What would that be? <clears throat> well, it's a car that you know I have possibly the biggest automotive fetish of all time for. What? That would be the 1980s Dodge Omni. Really? I think that would be, in a manner of fuel-mindedness and ease of access on it, I think I would definitely go with just a regular old carbureted 2.2 liter Omni. Now, what about parts availability? They're not that bad, actually. I, th- I, th- I know they make a lot of parts for them still for the 2.2, because hmm. sometimes they, they do racing with them. Right. Okay. So you can do that shit. Yeah. And, I mean, they're just I- little four-cylinders. And even if the four-cylinder and shit breaks down... You can swap in like the neon SRT motor. It'll swap right in there. The really? whole transaction really? right up in there. Holy shit, I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah, see to me that sounds like a much more practical daily. Um, I've even seen dudes that have taken those SRT four ones, the all wheel drive ones, and swapped mm-hmm. them under Omnis. Jesus Christ. And made all wheel drive little turbo fucking omnis. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, no, that that see to me that sounds much more uh doable i um yeah I've, I've been putting a lot of thought into it these past couple weeks i really want a shea model a i think that would be the coolest fucking thing and they're a little pricey but you know for what you're paying it's not yeah. terrible you know they, they're under 20 you easily find them between 10 and 20 and for a daily that i would buy and would be a daily ideally you know for the rest of my life or at the very least, extremely long term. That's not terrible. I mean, people are going out every day buying fucking twenty, thirty thousand dollar cars, and it's costing them an arm and a leg to, every month to just pay for them and keep up with them. You know, um, it. 
probably, honestly, wouldn't be that hard to make your own one. Like, if you took a Pinto and you took all the body panels off of it. Right. But, you know, you kept, like, the wiring harness for the fucking well, the lights and bulbs and here, shit. Here's the thing with the Pinto. It's unibody. Well, yeah, I don't care. No, just I mean... Reinforce it. No, you can't just take everything off. That's, you shovel it. It doesn't, it doesn't have a separate frame. Yeah, no, I... You could figure something out, but I don't know. I like... I kind of like the fact that the body's fiberglass. I know that sounds stupid, yeah. but it means it can't rust. Yeah. It just Light. means... I'm, in an accident, I'm fucking dead, but... Yeah, you're fucking dying. <laughs> but what's, about it. what's really neat about the Shays is uh, when they came out in 1980, their marketing... The, the marketing stunt they pulled was incredible. They gave a Shay... I forget how many, but they put a Shay on the showroom floor of so many Ford dealerships. That's in fucking insane. Yeah, so you walk into a Ford, oh, I want a new car, whoa, there's a fucking a brand new Model A in here. It got the attention of a lot of people. And something that's even more obscure is that Shay not only did this with the Model A, but they did it with the 50s Thunderbirds as well. Which is what are they used for that? Pinto still? You know, I don't. I'm not too sure. I didn't look into it too much, but um, I thought that was pretty fascinating. Yeah, you should look into that for next episode. I'd really like to see look into if they were like running these at the same time on the production lines. If I remember, I will definitely look it up. (laughs) If I remember to look it up, I definitely will. Wild. So. So yeah, I I think that might be my dream daily. I think I'm gonna hold on to the Oldsmobile. Um, until I can afford a Shay. I think that'd be neat. I was just watching a video, uh, yesterday of a guy who daily drove a Model A, not a Shay, but a regular Model A for a whole year. Oh, wow. And, um, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to link that to you. It was a, it was a pretty interesting watch. Um, and he had trouble finding someone to insure a, a Model A for daily use. And he found someone, and you want to know what it was costing him a month to insure it? How much? $200 a month. Holy fuck. I, I could, I can't imagine. I absolutely cannot imagine. That's insane. Thankfully, if I was to get a Shay, it's technically a 1980, so I wouldn't have as much trouble. But still. Right. They'd be like, what the fuck is this thing? I want to jump into our final segment here, Craigslist Corner. I want to th- see what three nutbusters you have found, <laughs> and right. I will show you mine. So let's let's do one from each. So here's here's my first one. It's a 1957 Buick Special. Oh wow! And I'm linking this because of the price. It's seventy five hundred dollars. Body is definitely seeing better days, but the guy claims it runs and drives and needs some brake work. I just this thing is so mean looking. Cause not, Holy Yeah, not only do I feel like I don't see these come up. For a price like this for a two door that needs bodywork and brake work. It's got that nailhead V8 too. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think nice. I would get this, I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't touch the body. Oh no, absolutely. Like, I, I think if anything I would find some missing trim pieces, but that's as far as I'd go. Oh. Yeah, I, I think it would look good with the chrome on the trim where it's supposed to be like that little the little line going yep. outside. Yep. Yeah. But that looks sharp. Yeah, I, I thought this was pretty neat. I, th- I figured this would be a fun fun find. What 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 have you sca- uh what have you discovered? Alright, well, I'd like to pick this as one of the ones that I I did show you earlier before we started here. That old oh, firebird. That is the meanest firebird I think I have ever seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Look at that damage in the front. I wouldn't touch it. I'd leave that it as is. Such a mean black eye that thing has, dude. Fucking what? what? <laughs> Passenger side headlight searching for the road. The driver's side searching for fucking enemy aircraft. Look at that thing pointing <laughs> up. God damn. <laughs> Oh, that'd look, that'd look awesome in the fog. Holy shit. Imagine seeing something like that coming up behind you on a dark country road. Oh, I'd fucking die. That look at look is... at the um look mm. at the intake. 
on it too. I know, I know. It's so fucking cool. Oh, the one thing I would change about this car, I'd get rid of that fucking steering wheel cover. That's it. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd put one of those old black lace ones on mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Fuck. Eight eight ball shifter. That'd be that'd be perfect. Fuck. Fuck. Just buy this thing. Forget the fucking third gen. Oh, I'd love to have this thing. It's got no title though. Who gives a shit? There's ways around it. My next one I'd like to show off. It's nothing too fancy, but I don't know. These these have a, a place in my heart and I can't get over how cheap they still are. Wow, that is cheap. I know you're not gonna like the color, but damn, these fucking vets I, I like those that body saw a lot. It's uh it's a eighty four vet, hundred and forty thousand miles, fucking bumblebee yellow. <laughs> I love those. I love the original uh, wheels on those. Those things are so fucking cool looking. Oh yeah. You know, somebody almost traded me one of those for uh, the Eldorado. <sighs> but but they stopped responding. I was trying to go through with it, but they just quit responding to me. What's cool about this is I don't know if they all had this, but my dad's '88 vet. The speedometer was uh, a heads-up display that popped up on the windshield. Oh, wow. Or that might have been with his 99. <laughs> I don't remember. I remember wanting one of them having it. But man, that was that was a fun car. Um, like I said, this one isn't anything outlandish, but that price, the price is right. Oh, yeah. Five grand for a good-looking vet like that. I mean, even if you know if I don't like the color, I can repaint that. That's mm. not a big deal. So what's your next, next uh, choice? All right. Let's see here. Well, I, I think, I think you're, you're going to like this a lot. This is, I think I, I think I showed this to you earlier too, but I, I really can't get this thing out of my head. I really like this. What? No, you didn't show this to me. An 81 citation? Oh, look at the price. Oh, fuck. 1,200 beans. Look at that rust. I know. That ain't nothing though. That's just body rust. Oh man, that's fucking nice. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't pay 1,200 for this and I'll tell you why. Because I paid a grand for my Phoenix and it was better better shape than this this one's got 163,000 miles but it's a it's a manual though is it oh yeah look at that it is huh that's pretty sweet yeah i I wouldn't pay quite that much for it i can tell you that you want to talk about rare cars though these this these x bodies oh you can't you can't find them i remember i was looking so hard for a phoenix but speaking of x bodies Oh, my. <laughs> I've got uh, the different generation X-Body to show off for my final Craigslist posting. 76 Skylark. Fucking nice. It's oh, the, my God. It's the six-cylinder, but I don't give a shit. Oh, I would drive that fucking thing all day long. All Man, look, day. It even has the same roof the Ventura had mm-hmm. on the inside. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fucking hell. Oh, I miss it. Still got that little fucking I door know, handle. I know you fucking do. Yeah, I know. Right now on the wall. Yo, fuck off. With the, wait a second. You want to see something hilarious? Look at the um, the six picture. Look at the driver's door. Oh, I see the missing hub. Or the missing fucking door handle. Yeah, yeah, just like the passenger one on the. <laughs> look at look at the Harvard. picture of the person in the mirror. <laughs> Oh, man. A little bit of rust, but that's fucking nothing. Oh, I, I'd roll it all day. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, eight grand, no, though. Would, would, you, would you pay eight? No. No. I wouldn't I wouldn't pay three. I'd pay three, but I wouldn't pay eight. Especially for for a Skylark. It's not a Pontiac. You know, I, I'd want the Pontiac. Right. Um, and it's a six. You're asking eight grand for a V6? Come yeah, on. that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, Come on. I, there's no way or the six I, I wouldn't pay six automatic eight grand. Uh-uh. But is uh, I figured it'd be a nice find. And any X body is worth fucking post. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, and what's so? What's your final your final find? Are you ready for this? I I am ready. You're gonna need your uh, your handles to hold on to. Uh-huh. I got my dick. I got my dick in my hand. Show it to me. <laughs> What the get you get you a little peek of that. Woo! 63 Pontiac Catalina limo. Holy. 2 grand. Oh, 
Holy shit. I bet you this thing has... The ha- size of it. bet you this thing hasn't fucking run since 69. It says ran poorly four years ago. Oh, does it? <laughs> ran poorly. Fuck. That's... That is sweet. Yeah, and look at the the first picture you can see right by the gas door. It says Silver Bullet. Huh. Real faintly. You know, the thing... Silver with, Bullet Racing. The thing with these limos, right? Because, you know, we, we, we've seen these limos before. Yeah. Uh, with the the crazy amount of doors. These were mainly used for, like, shuttle, shuttle people around at airports. Yeah. You never see these running. You always oh, see projects for sale. I've yet to ever see one of these running. It's crazy. So, Roadkill actually just bought one of these. I believe it was either last year or this year. Check this out. Oh, damn. Oh, fuck. What, what, holy shit. What are their plans with it? Don't know. I think they road tripped it. Really? That's fucking cool as shit. Oh, no. It's mm, absolutely amazing. I love it. Fuck. I love sea bodies and even more so when they're <laughs> very stretched out. <laughs> Absolutely, but man, uh, we are running at over an hour now, and I think we might as well wrap this up. Yep. Um, this was fun. This was episode one, and we will give away uh the answer to what the car we heard at the intro was on the next episode. And next episode, we are going to have a special guest, and that is going to be. A regular thing with this podcast, this is the only podcast episode that I can imagine, where it's just going to be me and Deke. From now on, we are going to have a guest, and we will see how that goes next time. So, it's been uh, a fun hour and 15-ish minutes, and we will see you next time.